You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we're letting it breathe just for a moment here as we get Facebook under the under the tent with us. We'll get this party started proper. Better late than never, you feel me? Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, the Chad. game one debut has come. It has passed. Your football priest, I'm talking to the community. Suddenly looking uh, mm. you know, a little bit a little bit wise, right? Just a little bit. We're not trying to count our chickens before they hatch, so to speak. But we said if Drew Locke's going to ball, it's going to be when the lights go on. And the lights went on, and he balled. You know, and, and we've been saying <clears throat> the entire offseason that Drew Locke is, you know, our prediction he's going to look like a different quarterback. And everyone thought it was our bias. Everyone thought it was our opinion. Everyone thought it was just – you know, uh, cautious optimism around Drew Locke, but we think it was rooted in fact. And we saw slowly but surely over the course of the offseason what he was doing to better himself as the Broncos quarterback, whether it was working with Peyton Manning, being the first one in the building, the last one out, and the growth and the physical changes he made to his game, Chad. You saw it yesterday. We can talk about the bomb to K.J. Handler. That's obviously the big play of the game. But before that, there was a play that really stuck out to me more so. I forget the context. I forget the down and distance. Forgive me. I haven't rewatched the game yet. But Drew Locke, he, he dropped back, and he went through his reads. First of all, he wasn't locking on the first guy. He went to, like, three or four different people. And then when nothing was there, instead of forcing it, instead of trying to make it happen and be the wily gunslinger, he tucked it and ran. That, for Drew Locke, is major growth. That's significant growth. And you saw a more poised quarterback. You saw a more confident quarterback. You saw a more mentally resilient quarterback. And you saw a quarterback, like we've been saying and hyping up the entire offseason, as a quarterback with A-plus, elite, top-shelf arm strength. That K.J. Hamler touchdown throw, Chad. Yeah, Hamler got himself wide open. That's credit to him, but Locke hit him in stride. That's not an easy throw to make. That's not a throw that Paxton Lynch would have made. That's not a throw that Teddy Bridgewater could make. That's a throw that's exclusive to a few quarterbacks, Drew Locke included. Teddy played well, as well, and we'll, we'll get into everything, but I can't stop raving about how good the Broncos looked overall. All three operations, offense, defense, specials looked amazing, but the offense, Drew Locke, Two big play, mistake-free touchdown drives. What more could you ask for from him? Yeah, he answered the bell. And so, you know, the Denver Broncos are going to stay true to their word. They're going to have Teddy start next week. But so long as Drew Locke comes off the bench against the Seattle Seahawks and plays smart football, continues to be dynamic, continues to be aggressive, that's the thing. You want to be aggressive, you want to be explosive, you want to be dynamic, but you have to walk that line of also knowing when and where to do that, to push the envelope, while also being smart with where you're going with the ball. You can't go broke taking a profit, right? The Bronco quarterback room mantra. So I'm I'm dying to see how it plays out. 
Now, knowing what we know about Drew, if there's a pattern to this dude at all, it's it's that he's an up and down guy. So, you know, often we see these big spike games or performances. I'm talking Carolina, Houston as a rookie. There's a few other games where he goes boom and you're like, wow. And then followed by kind of a dip, dip and then back up. And then so if it's based on his past and again, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, but it's not the only if we're going on past behavior, Zach, odds are he's not going to be as explosive and dynamic next week. But if he's truly taken a leap forward, as it appeared he did in that game against the Vikings on Saturday evening, then he can break that pattern and establish a new one and show the C word consistency. Right. And if he can do that, he will blow the hair back off of Pat Shermer. He'll blow the hair back off of Mike Shula and Vic Fangio. Uh, yeah, you know, and I see some comments that are already, you know, downplaying or underrating the performance. I'm really not in the mood for that tonight, guys. I see that it was, uh, oh, I'll get, I mentioned this on KK today. The excuses are rolling in for Drew Locke now because he did well. People are going to try to poke holes in his game. Oh, it was against the Vikings backups. Well, he can only play the players that are in front of him, and he dominated the Vikings defense, and they weren't exactly all backups. They were playing some starters in there and some key uh, players to contributors in there as well. And also, two things. A, if Drew Locke did not do well, y'all would be the first people to get on him for not doing well against the Vikings backups. Second of all, if that was Teddy Bridgewater who looked that good, y'all would be the first people to say, oh, look how good he did against the Vikings defense. So, you know, I'm not expecting Drew Locke to come out next week against Seattle, partly because he's not going to start the game. Teddy Bridgewater will, according to Vic Fangio, and the quarterback competition is still ongoing, according to Vic Fangio. I don't think, though, Chad, you can make the case that he doesn't really have to perform the same level again. You know why? Because he showed the major discrepancy between himself and his backup. That is himself and Teddy Bridgewater. You felt it. I mean, I know I did. When Teddy came into the game, Chad, the entire complexity, the entire feeling, it just kind of slowed down, a little more boring, you know, three- and four-yard dump-offs, no big plays. That's the difference between Locke and Bridgewater. And I think just the Broncos coaches, they believe that was the case, and that's why they positioned Locke as the starter. They wanted to see it come out in actuality. They wanted to see it come out on the field. So Fangio can say no separation, but how do you watch that game? How do you review the film and compare the quarterbacks and say there's no separation? He's playing politics. He has to keep up the air of impartiality, Chad. He has to extend this at least one more week. But I think in his mind, he realizes what Locke can do and Bridgewater can do are two different things completely. You saw ceilings and you saw floors on Saturday. And Drew Locke gave you the ceiling. He showed you what's possible if the Broncos coaches and himself, if they can figure out how to really help him turn that corner. You're talking explosive plays. You're talking about an offense. I mean, half of this this offense's studs weren't even on the field, Zach. I mean, no Melvin Gordon, no Cortland Sutton, very little Noah Fant, no Garrett Bowles, no Dalton Reisner. I mean, this was... You know, people want to say, oh, well, Drew went, away, uh, went against their twos. They rested all of their studs, which is true. But the Broncos rested a lot of their guys, too. In fact, Brian Greasy and uh, uh, what's his name? I forget the play-by-play guy's name now. Adam Levy? Levy, what's his Steve Levy. Steve kept remarking how stunned they were that Jerry Judy was even in the game, period. So Drew, it's not like Drew Locke was playing with a full deck, so to speak, right? Exactly. Uh, and I don't know. We'll get more into it. Um 
first, though, really quick, some matters of business, and then we'll get to these Super Chat sack that are stacking yeah. up quickly, really, really fast. What's up, Michaela? Great to see you. Big Earn, good to see you, buddy. Uh, appreciate you guys. Before we dive into uh, tonight's show proper in the chat, I want to give everybody a full-on update of where we're at on the Vaughn Miller uh, giveaway. Hopefully this is the right one here. Is this it? Nope. We'll get to him in just a second. Andrew, hold up, brother. Hold up, brother. Um, we want you to know where we stand on the Vaughn Miller jersey. So as you know, guys, on Facebook, and a lot of you right now are watching this and participating in this conversation on Facebook, Mile High Huddle's trying to get to 500,000 stars on Facebook. As you can see here, we're at 36%. When last we left you, we were at 29%. So in just a few days, we've climbed another few percentage points. What happens when we reach 500K? We're giving away a Vaughn Miller jersey. We're going to raffle it off to the people who were sending the stars. And that's not it. We're also going to send a little MHH memento that can go in your man cave or your fan cave because many, many great ladies in our community in Broncos country. It'll be a little something, something to go along with your mint brand new Von Miller jersey. So we are there. Now, the way it works, the people who star the most and we've got a leaderboard we're going to go through here in a moment. They're the ones who get the, you know, the more the more someone stars, the more raffle tickets they get that go in the hat. Right. So increases someone's odds. So the leaderboard. Here you go. For the last month, Zeus McPeak, well ahead. I mean, by almost double, right? Uh, Zeus, you are first face etched on MHH Mount Rushmore for a reason. Travis Weber, right there at number two. Michael Ronquillo, what's up, dude? Number three, Andrew Lampy at number four. Gary Leeds Palmer, the legend at five. On a 28-week streak, Zach, of starring, of showing support to MHH. How many months is that? I mean, wrap your, do the math. I, I'm not a uh, too too hot at arithmetic. But You're asking the wrong person. Crushing. <laughs> You're probably worse than you are. But Andrew thank Baker, you, Gary. Travis Tarbox, Howie Frickin' Day, Claude Riley, Sean Miller, Matthew Beatty at 11, Pete Middleton 12, Randy Jones 13, Zebulon 14, Butch Butch at 15. So that's the leaderboard going into tonight. And we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, real quick, the quickest matters of business ever. Huddle Up Pod on Twitter. Connect with us at Mile High Huddle on Twitter. Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman NFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Check out our merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a little something-something to help support the cause. Also, guys, kindly consider becoming a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook if you do, yeah, it costs you five bucks a month, but in exchange, yeah, you're helping keep the lights on here at MHH, but you also get access exclusively to our premium VIP podcast, which include Kelberman's Corner every Sunday, uh, the Trickle Zone every Saturday, Broncos Book Club with yours truly every Saturday as well, plus more stuff in the hopper that we are rolling out. So go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle, big blue button at the top, click that, you're in like Flynn. And then guys also give our, our huddle up podcast page on Facebook, a like, and a follow when you get some time, very important for our plans there. And if you're not in a position to do those things, gang, all good. We're seriously just stoked to have you with us. Make sure that you are subscribed wherever you're enjoying this show, like the video, seriously, a kind uh, prayer and supplication from your football priests like this video, especially if you're on YouTube or Facebook. And then if you think we're doing a good job or you respect the effort, share the video out there, help us continue to grow, reach new like-minded Broncos fans that are just like you, only they're wandering the desert, blind, 
deaf to this community out here waiting to embrace them. All right, Zach Albert with a message for you that says, great show again today, Zach Kelberman's Corner, a benefit among others you get when you sign up on Facebook. Now that's a testimonial unsolicited, Albert Udeman. Hey, Albert, thank you so much. And everyone else that tuned into KK today, uh, I appreciate all the support every Sunday again, guys. I promise you it's worth it. Hot takes on hold water with yours truly. I hope to see you there next Sunday. Christian down in Vegas in enemy territory. Didn't used to be enemy territory. It was kind of neutral ground, now definitely enemy territory. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. He says, after the way he played yesterday, do you think that the rookie safety, Caden Stearns, could be Kareem Jackson's future replacement, Zach? I mean, I thought that before the preseason even started. Obviously, when they draft two safeties and Stearns and Jamar Johnson, they're looking to replace Kareem Jackson. He's not long for Denver. He's like a one-year holdover kind of guy. Uh, We were talking about Stearns before we potted tonight, before we uh, went live. He led the team in tackles yesterday along with uh, P.J. Locke. They were tied with six, even though Stearns had six solo stops. I saw a comment that he was a little tentative yesterday coming up and trying to make a play, but it's his first game. He was thrust into a a starting role after Trey Marshall went down, I believe on the opening kickoff. So, you know, I I think he has a very bright future, but he is still a rookie. And Vic Fangio is a guy, especially on defense, he leans toward veterans. He leans toward experience. So Kareem, he's going to eventually lose his job, but that eventually to me is not right now. Very encouraging. I mean, if we're talking about risers and fallers coming out of game one, Caden Stearns, absolutely one of the risers. And not just because he was all over the field, which he was, stopped a touchdown, right? Got complete over the top, back of the end zone. Guy gets a couple of feet down, it looked like, and then gets popped by Stearns, incomplete, no score. That was great to see. But, Zach, the thing everyone's been worried about with Caden Stearns is uh, the tackling. And that was, let's just say, no problem in game one. So, uh, yeah, Caden Stearns, great first game. Let's see him keep it rolling. The queen, Christy, from the top rope. The first face of the female kind etched on MHH Mount Rushmore. Right next to Zeus McPeak. Christy, love you. She says, hey, how about that? Drew needed some time, dot, dot, dot. Hope to see more of that. Thanks, guys. Yes, indeed. Yep, Drew needed time to incubate, to percolate, and it's not done. I mean, it's not like uh, Saturday's performance was, you know, all right, cool, preseason game. I can rest on my laurels, and it's all downhill from here. He's just getting started, Zach. Yeah, we need a, a call out for Christy. I don't know that Christy works like Stu, but we appreciate you so much, Christy. That's why you're the queen of the podcast, and we love you. The thing about Locke needing more time, yeah. You know, it's like making – if you ever make pulled pork in a crock pot, anyone out there, you it, that's not a recipe that takes an hour or a half hour. That takes hours, maybe even all day long. And you have to put all the ingredients in there. You have to let it marinate. You have to be patient and hopefully it will come out good. And that's my roundabout way of saying the Broncos have put in time now with Drew Locke. They brought back his coaching staff for the sake of that of that cause, of giving him continuity, giving him a second year in Pat Shermer's system. I don't want to overreact or be hypocritical or contradict myself. It is preseason. It is one game. But how encouraging, you know, how much better could he have possibly looked? The Broncos overall, I mean, the, the offense had two touchdowns with Locke. Patrick Sertan had a pick six. This was as good of a debut as you could have hoped for all around. All right, we've got here a good comment from uh, Todd Ostendorf. 
I'm, I'm just going to flash it and then read it because it's kind of long. On Facebook, he says, I don't know how you can really say anyone didn't play well in such a dominant performance. I thought the team looked great. Locke played about as well as possible, completing passes, getting that great 80-yard bomb to Hamler, was just the frosting on the cake in the main course all wrapped in one. Locke showed up big, and he needed it. We also, Zach, have a super sticker from Andrew Morrow. He's showing love on YouTube, and he's also the first to get some stars in on Facebook today, which I'll show you guys here in a moment. Andrew, mile-high salute to you, my friend. Really appreciate you. But, Zach, as awesome as that 80-yard bomb was, and it was a beautiful throw. It was a great route by KJ, showing the Jets phenomenal protection by the O-line. That second touchdown where Locke is – scrambling right or rolling right. I don't think it was a scramble. It was a designed roll. And that throw, threading the needle the way yep. he did, man, that to me was more impressive than the 80-yard bomb, which was very, very nice to see in its own right. Well, this is a an alert to Pat Shermer. We'll get into him in, in a little later, hopefully. I got to give him credit as well. It looked like Pat Shermer, guys, has joined us. Breaking news in the year 2021. Uh, he used you know ingenuity. He used creativity in his play calling. There were screens, reverses, vertical passing. But there's a common denominator, Chad. Both of Locke's touchdowns came on at, you know, rollouts. The first one was a play action. The second one was a design rollout, as you mentioned. Getting Locke on the move, moving the pocket, letting him use his legs, use his arm strength, his arm talent, buying him time, letting him sling the ball. Please, Pat Shermer, continue using that because it's, it, it really helps Locke's game. He is lethal off play action. There is one player, though, that did not have a good game to me, and it's hard to find. It's hard to nitpick after yesterday's blowout. Tyree Cleveland. Whether it's a kick return, whether it's as wide receiver, he was so unimpressive. And especially when you have other receivers stepping up, KJ Hamler had the touchdown, Jerry Judy breaking ankles. You had Trinity Benson looking like a certified playmaker. And how slow and how uh, uninspiring did Tyree Cleveland look out there? He's in danger to me. By the way, guys, this weird thing with the window, those of you who were in last night's stream with Eric and I, we couldn't quite call it Mile High Insiders because we were subbing for Mile High Insiders, both of us. And yet it was one guy from Huddle Up, one guy from Dove Valley Deep Divers. We just called it Mile High Huddle. <clears throat> but if you were in that stream, you heard my story about my mini split air conditioner in my studio going out yesterday. So in time for last night's stream, I had to freaking cruise down to Home Depot, buy one of those window units, right? So it vents or exhausts out the window. Less aesthetically pleasing, but... Tomorrow, I'll be getting that mini split fix. We'll be back to normal. Muhammad Badri, what up, dude? This is a ride-or-die superstar, big-time community maven here at MHH. He was there today, Kelberman's Corner. He's here today, Huddle Up Pod. He says, shout-out to the CEO and the Dragon. Thank you, Muhammad, for your continued support, whether it's KK, the Huddle Up Podcast, any of the podcasts on our network. You are always there. You are the greatest. Thank you. All right, let's do a quick uh, update on tonight's stars, and we'll keep an eye out for these names, their comments, questions in the chat. Today, so far, Howie freaking day in the lead. Wow, dude. Props. Thank you, my friend, for that support. Randy Jones, what's up, dude? Legend in his own right, as well as Gary Leeds Palmer. Michael, Zebulon. And then over here, we've got Charlie Young, Louis Condon, Andrew Morrow. Thanks to each and every one of you we are not just inching closer to the 500,000 star goal on Facebook, Zach, but we are barreling toward it with, yeah. with uh, a plum here. All right, let me see here. 
I'm going to try and inch down because I don't want the stream to jump and I lose superstars. The back end of YouTube is still screwed up. And it pisses us off for multiple reasons, Zach, not the least of which is one of the traditions here is we like to shout out our superstars and our star senders after each and every podcast on Twitter, tag them, name them, thank them. And it's been impossible for us to do that since YouTube's had this problem. There's nowhere for us to get the information. I mean, we can try and remember as best we can. So, guys, bear with us until YouTube gets this thing figured out. Uh, Zach, real quick, I want to grab this from Michael on Facebook. He says, Fangio said it's even after the game. Is he delusional? They need Locke to start taking all the first-team reps. Love the pod, guys. Zach, with what you saw Saturday night, and thank you, Michael, are they reaching diminishing returns by continuing this 50-50 thing after that display Locke put on yesterday? And let's, for what it's worth, Teddy was sharp as well, but he was traditional Teddy, dink and dunk. I love that that line you used today on Kelberman's Corner, Zach. Teddy showed you who he is. And when Teddy or when someone shows you or tells you who they are, believe them. Yeah, that's a life lesson I've always applied to myself, professionally or personally. It's, it seemed to serve me well. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know about Teddy Bridgewater and the and the you know the the calling form and compared to Drew Locke. I just think when he came in the game, he was nickel and diming the defense to death. There was a death by a thousand paper cuts, and yeah, he did find the end zone, but it just. Um, it seems like the the air was sucked out of the Broncos' offense. All the energy was gone. And I mentioned this on KK today about Vic Fangio. It's he he backed himself into a corner, and there's no way of getting out of it now. He already said he named Bridgewater the starter for the second preseason game. He called it even Steven. He has to at least give a fair shot to Teddy because he already announced it and put it out there. So he has to at least extend it one more week. Give Teddy run with the ones, lock with the twos, and then hopefully make a decision after that. I would hope that going into the third preseason game, there's a clear-cut starter. And like the the question stated, the comment stated, they can start to get reps and continuity and chemistry down with the ones. That's why I don't like quarterback competitions. But, you know, again, Fangio is playing politics. He has a locker room to worry about. A lot of the guys in that locker room are partial to Teddy Bridgewater or like Teddy Bridgewater, and Fangio can't show any preference or bias toward Drew Locke. So it's kind of a you can't put put the cork back in the wine bottle. That's right. That's right. Brandon Harden. What's up, dude? Bama Broncos. He loves that. He's an he, Alabama guy and a Bronco guy, so it's all good. We got a couple of those, right? Jerry Judy, PS2. He says, I compare Justin Fields to Jameis Winston. Patrick Sertan will be another champ Bailey in three years. Man, I'll tell you what. PS2 is sure trending that way. He was impressive, man. Sticky, um, very heady. I mean, that football IQ was on his display as – Front and center is his physical gifts and just, you know, his measurables uh, yesterday against the Vikings. But Justin Fields to Jameis Winston, I don't think that's very kind and fair. You know, I love you, Brandon, but I think it's a little too early to go throwing the baby out with the bathwater there on Fields. He looked good in his preseason debut. We'll see. Similar to Locke. Let's see if he can keep it going. Let Chicago worry about Justin Fields and let Denver worry about Patrick Sertan. I mean, obviously, like I said, if you were on the fence or if you were skeptical, how how much better should you feel when Locke had two touchdown drives and the Broncos' first-round pick, who they took over Justin Fields, had a pick six in his debut and a pass breakup? What more could you have asked from that game yesterday? I'm sick of the Justin Fields 
um, comparisons, the, the the cravings in Broncos country. Last I checked, he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He didn't get his jacket yet. And yesterday's performance didn't really move the needle. I think in Chicago, they're still trending to start Andy Dalton. Whereas Denver has its own situation with Drew Locke. And that's what I feel the Broncos fan base should focus on, especially after how good he looked yesterday. I think that's a fair premise. Travis Weber, one of our great superstars and superstar senders, supporters on Facebook. He says, good evening, Broncos country. Chad, Zach, on all levels, Broncos looked amazing. Locke looked like he's making effort in taking strides moving forward. We will see if it continues. Uh, Pookie, Javante Williams, who looked real good too. And PS2 looking awesome. How about Garrett Bowles being ranked 82 in the NFL's top 100? I mean, you can look at that as a diss, but honestly, he had one year, and it was elite. I mean, Garrett Bowles' tape last year was top echelon. I mean, top five guy, I don't care who you talk to, that tape last year, he was a top five tackle. But the way those top, those, those top 100 lists typically work, Zach, is guys who break onto the scene for the first time, they're lucky to make the list, period. Honestly, if that's their first go-around of really – balling out and they've been in the league a few years if Bulls can do that again if he can play at a pro bowl slash all pro level again i can promise you he'll be ranked next year a lot higher than 82 plus zach i mean he's a he's a tackle right not a very glamorous position yeah i don't look at that as a diss at all or a bad thing for denver or for Bulls. Forget, don't forget, guys, recency bias aside, we're talking about Garrett Bowles here. Bowles here. He was the bone of contention in Broncos country for at least three seasons before he got his act together last year. And we're talking about Garrett Bowles being, what was it, 82? The 82nd overall best player in the NFL. Garrett freaking Bowles on the NFL Top 100 list. I don't look at that as a bad thing. I look at that as an amazing thing considering where he came from. Glass half full. We have another Mount Rushmore superstar flexing from the top rope. Mark Langley, love you, buddy. Thank you so much for that support. I mean, look, no hair, completely blown off, dude. You know, that's how you roll. The best. Thank love you, you bro. How you doing? Give our best to the misses. How did you feel about yesterday's performance all around? We want to hear it in the chat. But Zach, Mark Langley, Hall of Famer at MHH. And, and, you know, it's always, I'm always so grateful and I'm always so impressed, but I'm never surprised by Mark Langley's generosity. You are a personal friend to Chad and I and a friend to the program. Thank you so much, Mark. We hope you're having the best weekend. All right, real quick here. I'm just going to dip on over and give an update so we can tip our cap. Keep an, an eye out, Zach, for any comments or questions from these great superstar centers on Facebook. Howie, leading the way still. Matt Beatty, what's up, dude? Thank you, Claude. What's up, Randy, Michael, Gary, Zebulon, Charlie, Lewis, Andrew? Thank you guys so much for supporting us. You guys know that goes a long way. We will keep an eye out for any of your topics or questions in the chat here. Um, the, the stream, Zach, did a jump. So what I'm going to do here is a hack uh, that we have learned along the way. It's the next best thing with YouTube's back end being out of commission in the uh, admin setting. So let me do this. We got another one from Brandon Harden, plus the Duchess top roping it as well. Brandon, Bama Broncos. Did the Broncos play that good, or did Minnesota just suck that bad? Zach? 
Come on, guys. Enjoy the victory. I mean, it is preseason, but the, it just felt different. It, didn't, it just looked different this time around. This wasn't the same old Broncos. This wasn't post-Peyton Manning's Broncos. It seemed like they have an offense now. Uh, they have an imposing defense, and they were down. How many starters on defense? Shelby, Vaughn, Chubb, Simmons. I mean, they looked that good, and y'all are acting like Chad said earlier. They were playing all their starters. That's not true. They were resting a lot of players, and they won going away. And not just that, they looked like they were the dominant team, not just the better team. It was definitely encouraging. So, again, glass half full. Denver was that good. Shane Daniels, thank you, my friend. He says, this game against Seattle is the true test for luck. They run a cover three pressure defense, which is what he struggles with. If he does well, he wins. I would agree on multiple fronts there. It'll be another test, obviously. If he does perform in the same way that he did or similarly to the Minnesota game, and even if Teddy turns in a performance as the starter next week, similar to what he did in game one, Zach, Locke will still have, I think, established such a lead that one last game, it'll probably be insurmountable. So, Onus is on lock. The pressure is on. So far, he's been able to, apparently anyway, manage the pressure of having to sing for his supper quite well. So I'm not so worried about him crumbling under duress. No, and I think actually the onus is on Teddy Bridgewater now. You know, Vic Fangio might not want to admit it. A lot of Broncos country might not want to admit it. But there is, after yesterday's performance, there has to be separation in this quarterback competition. When you just watch the film and when you trust your eyes and what you're experiencing when you watch the quarterbacks play – 80-yard touchdown bomb versus three- and four-yard checkdowns. I would venture to guess George Payton wants the more explosive quarterback paired with the more explosive players around him. So, you know, I think Teddy is going to have to hope for two things to keep this competition alive going into preseason week three. That's either Locke reverting back to Badrew and throwing three picks, let's say, against Seattle, against the second-teamers, or Teddy coming out, and playing a lot like Locke did, coming out, showing arm talent, coming out, leading exciting touchdown drives, mistake-free football. He's not going to win this battle. And Chad and I have been beating this drum for months now. He is not going to win this by checking it down and throwing three and four and five-yard passes. Vic Fangio said it himself. And, and Drew Locke has shown the antithesis of that. It was a big test that he passed yesterday. And I think the pressure is on Teddy now to rise up and meet that challenge. Guys, by the way, you're hearing me click on and off the mute button on my mic. The downside amongst many of this little window unit I'm rocking tonight is it's a little bit, not a little bit, it's a lot louder. You don't even notice. I don't even notice the the wall hung one. So I just have to mute on and off when I'm not talking so you guys aren't hearing while Zach's talking. Uh, Michaela the Duchess. Flex. All right, here she is. Love you so much. Thank you. Can't wait to meet you in person next month. She says, and by the way, Zach, next month, that's where we're at. <laughs> Almost a, exactly a month away. It's fast. Michaela says, when Teddy came in, the vibe changed. Yep. It got blah. Yep. When Locke was in, the excitement yep. was palpable. Zach, what's your interpretation of that? Or what was your read on the kind of energy vibe she's talking about? Well, do you remember when it was Locke in his rookie season, he came on in relief of Brandon Allen against Cleveland, I want to say, right? Do you remember Brandon Allen, the offense was kind of ho-hum, lagging, the usual post-Payton Manning Denver offense. When Locke came into the game, Chad, I think they had a touchdown drive right as soon as he came in or right after. 
The whole team was energized. The the excitement, like like uh, Michaela said, was palpable. You can feel it. You can see it. You can hear it. And the same thing happened yesterday, except in reverse. They had the excitement. They had the tenacity. They were playing with tempo. They were playing with pace. They had a game plan, shockingly enough, Pat Shermer did, to attack the Vikings secondary. And then when Teddy came in in relief, Against the second stringers and third stringers, it was very slowed down, very kind of dragged out, very kind of passive. Three yards here, three yards there, four yards here. And they got into the end zone, and the end result was the same. But I could have fallen asleep and woken back up before they got there, Chad. And that's the difference in Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Kenneth, uh, pardon me, brings up a good point here. He says, uh, and thank you, Kenneth Patterson, for being in the chat tonight, contributing to the conversation. It was like Gary Kubiak taking over for John Elway. You knew Kubes was capable, but never expected fireworks. And I think that's a good way to put it. That's a that's actually a pretty apt comparison here. Although, you know, some people, Zach, anytime you, you make even a minor comparison for anything tangentially related to Drew Locke with a John Elway, a Peyton Manning, uh, Brett Favre, people get their – uh, hair up in a dander or whatever, right? But uh, it's true. You want that guy that is even killed. You can, you know what you're going to get. He's going to keep the, that floor high, right? That's what Teddy brings to the table is the high floor. Drew brings the ceiling. Big difference. Yeah, and again, I think we saw that it would be crystallized yesterday. We've been talking about it, and that's been kind of the air and the hypothesis about this quarterback competition. But the hypothesis was tested yesterday, and we have real results from that test. I think you see what it is. You see the difference when Drew Locke's in the game. You see the difference when Teddy's in the game. Again, fortunately, both quarterbacks look good. They both had touchdown drives. But my God, I mean, you can feel it. it it's not – you don't have to look at pro football focus analytics or uh, look for narratives. You can just watch the game, turn on the tape, and you can see the difference. Ron Dub, another – Going way back, Super Chat Superstar. Good to see you, my friend. Always brings good topics and questions. Yes. Thank you for the support, Ron. Hey, the offense looked beautiful on Saturday. I know it's the preseason, but it was encouraging. Who do you think stood out the most, in your opinion? Locke, Pookie, Sertan, Benson looked great. Zach, this is a good opportunity to name a few risers, and then we can talk fallers. For me, the biggest risers coming out of game one, Drew Locke. Pookie, Caden Stearns, Justin Sternod, yes. Trinity Benson. Um, who am I missing? Andre Mintz. Mintz, yep. Def- <clears throat> pardon me. Definitely helped his stock. Um, I'm going to concur with Eric Trickle on, and I'm, I was as equally surprised as he was. Shamar Steven looked good. Yes. The uh, undrafted rookie and son of former perennial Pro Bowl fullback, Lorenzo Neal, his son, Jr., Actually looked pretty good yesterday, too, but, you know, you want to see him put up some stats. He was throwing dudes around, but, hey, where's the production in the stat column? You were affecting the game. Don't get me wrong. That's what matters most, not necessarily stats. But in his case, I want to see some of that work, you know, count, hang some skins on the wall, so to speak, something he can point to and say, here's what I did. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Look, K.J. Hamler, obviously big riser, but it's not like you're really worried about his stock per se. This dude is grafted into the offense, guaranteed. No problem there. It's like Fangio said post-game. If he stays healthy, Zach, this dude's going to be fire for us. Jerry Judy, he was solid, especially that one catch over the middle. I think it was a third down. 
Drew Locke hit him. He scrambled, picked up some yak for the cue. Broke ankle. But there were also, Zach, two opportunities, the touchdown, the slant, and I'll concur with the broadcast guys that, hey, Locke put that slant on the goal line a little too inside. You want to see that on his outside hit more. But Jerry Judy should have, let me put it this way, Jerry Judy had the opportunity to fight through that sticky coverage and the arms there. You know, he had a sea of arms, even though it's just two guys fighting for that window, haul it in. Plus that deep ball down the left sideline. I think Greasy, Brian Greasy, who was the color guy, uh, commented that was a great ball by Drew. Judy needs to be able to win that matchup with his guy. So Judy, similar to last year, giveth and then he taketh away, although in much less extreme (laughs) juxtaposition. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned sticky coverage. I'm going to say that's illegal coverage. I still think he was being held or grabbed or interfered with. So I'm going to exonerate Jerry Judy. Um, a couple players that stood out to me, Chad, uh, the running back, Demaria Crockett, he led the Broncos in rushing. I know they have a crowded backfield, but Mike Boone sideline right now. Uh, little known fact, Melvin Gordon was held out, not as a healthy scratch. We have a story up at MHH.com right now, but he has a little bit of a groin issue. So that led more carries for Javante uh, Levante Bellamy and Crockett, they all pretty much look good. And, you know, to answer your question, Ron, everyone stood out there, all those players that you mentioned and then some, but when it's Locke, when it's the quarterback, when he has an 80-yard touchdown pass, two touchdown drives, he plays flawless football. How do you name anyone but Drew Locke? I'm trying to think anyone we, we missed, though. The offensive line, I want to give a shout-out to. The pass protection was solid. Natani Muti and run blocking, again, this guy is going to be a starter sooner than later. He's so powerful. Um, I think you named everyone I wanted to talk about. Mintz had the Broncos only sack and he had a TFL as well, looking like he's the one annual undrafted guy that's going to make the Broncos final roster. But it's hard to name. It's easier to name the players that didn't play well than that did play well. Guys, check out this pocket right on the bomb. Zach, good job doing the screen grab on this. Here's Zach's tweet. All credit to Broncos QBs for their performances yesterday, but the O-line isn't being talked about enough, especially it's A-plus pass protection. Check out this pocket. I mean, look at that, dude. Look at that. My dude could have fried an egg if he had a stove <laughs> next to him, right? He'd have been all good. He could have, you know, roasted a marshmallow before he hit KJ Hamler. I mean, my goodness. Yes, indeed. Now, look, you've got a four-man rush relatively impotent but look at this wall of broncos on the left zach i mean obviously they were sucked up a little by that play action you have royce at the very top there but still just wonderful wonderful protection yeah and look how many vikings bit off that play fake so uh, again as i wrote there all around a beautiful uh, uh execution beautiful pass beautiful pocket look at that i mean what a beautiful sight you can see at the top of the screen or on the side of the screen those vikings defenders they're they're completely turned around they're not you know they're they're flat footed they have nothing to do but not getting anywhere near drew lock they're double teaming the guy on the outside everyone is contained otherwise that pocket's beautiful so again it's easier to name the players that didn't play well and we can chat who didn't play well yesterday except for Tyree Cleveland? I really can't think of one. Well, if you want to nitpick Eric Trickle's risers and fallers, hopefully you guys read the article and saw the video. <clears throat> there were some interior O-line performances as the game wore on that weren't great, including Natani Muti, very up and down. Um, but, yeah, this was not a game where I would say probably Michael O.J. Moody didn't play too well. That, that's but a good this, one. Yeah. At the same time, you know what? Look, it's like – Whoever it was playing on the other side of Champ Bailey, you know, they always had it rough because 
quarterbacks went that way. They didn't dare test champ. Dre Bly, you know, he had a decent run playing opposite a champ in Denver. Um, Andre Goodman constantly. I mean, this was a guy that was a veteran that had some, some bona fides in the league, came to Denver, and he was solid but constantly being targeted. Uh, I mean, even go all the way back to or as far forward in Champ's career as that 2013 year where they made it to Super Bowl 48. It was really the last stand of Champ as a Bronco. Uh, they had Tracy Porter the year prior, and I'm trying to think who it was that year in 13 that played opposite him. But either way, you know, that's kind of the problem, <clears throat> pardon me, for Michael O.J. Mudia yesterday was Jake Browning, the quarterback that the Vikings played in place of uh, Kirk Cousins, who they rested. You know, he smart enough to know, look, even before the pick six, Zach, I'm going away from PS2. And so OJ Moody, he just shows you that he's not on the same level, obviously, as Patrick Sertan. And he's still got a lot of ground to make up. Doesn't mean, Zach, he can't become a, a quality corner because as the television broadcast did a good job of portraying last night, Pat Sertan not only was raised by one of the greatest corners of his era, right? Pat Sertan Sr., but he was coached by Nick Saban at Alabama and his specialty, kind of like when the Broncos are at practice and Vic Fangio rolls up his sleeves and gets into the coaching must, he's coaching the linebackers. That's his forte, right? That's Saban's forte is DBs. So this dude was groomed. He's a lot farther along knowledge-wise between the years than probably an O.J. Mudia. You know, the George Payton came out uh, the other day and, and said that teams have contacted the Broncos about their cornerbacks. Maybe Ojemudia being a third-round pick could be on the trade block. He seemed like a boy amongst men when you have PS2 out there recording pick sixes and Ojemudia in his second year looking much like a rookie. I don't know about him. Uh, another one in the comments. I talked about it on KK today, but let me see who brought it up so I can give you credit. Um... Let me see. Jeremy Sean A. Cameron Fleming. Yeah, he did not play good. And anyone who tuned into us when the Broncos signed him, I warned you guys after watching him in Dallas, watching him last year in New York, he is very much replacement level. And we have to hope that Bobby Massey gets and stays healthy. If Fleming has to take starts this year, the Broncos are in trouble. By the way, I'm going to give Royce some, uh, some daps too. Royce Freeman actually had a better yards per carry average. Then Pookie. Pookie went five for 29, just under six yards per carry. Royce went over six yards. He had five carries for 33 yards. And then Royce also had two catches for 14 yards. So I'm going to add Royce Freeman to the list for yours truly of risers. Uh, real quick here, Zach, let's shout out Dallin Joseph. Thank you for that super chat. Really appreciate you. He says, Justin Sternod looked good out there flying. Yeah, he was. He was around the ball a lot, earned a lot of, uh, you know, reaction and conversation from the television broadcast really exciting zach i mean josie jewel's been down and out with that groin for gosh 10 days now it seems like and man sternod is looking like the truth you saw that speed what he yes. might lack between the years in terms of wisdom which you know you only get wisdom from experience that's the difference between being smart and being wise is experience that's all he's missing is experience. You got to see that pop, that explosion, that twitch, that ability to, hey, if I lose out early in the rep, I can make it up because of my athleticism and speed. That's not something the Broncos have had at that position since 2015. 
Exactly. Yeah. With Baron Browning on PUP still, he's making the most of the opportunity, Sternod running with the starters or running with the first stringers. And, you know, there was an instance, you just kind of talked about it, Chad, the, the Vikings threw a little dump off pass in the flat. Sternod wasn't around the running back, but he closed and he stopped the game for about five or six yards. That recovery speed we have not seen from a Broncos inside linebacker in, like you mentioned, about six years or so. So raise your hand out there if you were hooting and hollering over Serna doing a simple task like covering a running back and not allowing a first down. It's a breath of fresh air for sure. Shout out to the star senders today. Here's an update on today's leaderboard. Howie with a comfortable lead. Matthew Beatty, number two. Love you guys. Andrew Lampy's tied with him there. Uh, Claude, what's up, brother? Randy Jones. Zeus. Having that lead he's got in the long run for the Von Miller jersey in terms of the raffle tickets. Michael, James Grossman. Also, James, it was great to see you in Kelberman's Corner this morning. Appreciate you being a supporter. Gary Leeds Palmer as well. Zebulon, what's going on, brother? Charlie Young, Lewis. Is it Lewis or Luis? I'm curious. And Andrew Morrow. Appreciate you guys. And then here we have Zach, Matt Beatty saying, it was great to see the Broncos dominate. Yes, it was. And then Claude saying here, that was fun to watch. It's been a while since you felt that way. Like truly like, Hey, you're not stressed out. You're not under pressure. You're not angry because your team's getting pushed around. Like they're out there wielding it. And so you can kind of lighten up and loosen up. He says, hopefully we can build off of this, get some momentum behind us. So many things to be excited about. Go Broncos. So many times Denver, whether it's been preseason or not, they've been on the other side of a, you know, a big blowout score. So yeah, even though the game doesn't count, it's nice that Denver came out with passion. They came out prepared, disciplined. They came out attacking and they came out with a game plan and they executed that. So, I mean, my hat's off to them completely. Yeah. Keith reached out by the way on Facebook. Um, Hey, are you guys going live during halftime? And in the regular season, uh, Zach and I will most definitely be going live for a quick a reaction during halftime of every single game. Uh, preseason, we're not quite as um, – we're not going to be doing that just because we're juggling other things. So we're still kind of capitalizing what remains of our summer. But, yes, Keith, we will be rocking that. Don't worry when uh, the regular season rolls around. Okay, let me check here in the chat, uh, see where everyone's at here. Yeah, that's right, Albert. That's the way stars work on Facebook. You can buy the stars, and after that, you donate them. Yes, sir. A Rose, what's up, brother? Longtime superstar. He says, what's up, fellas? Long time since I've been on. Let's hope this is the start of some great juju. A great team win. You guys rock. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag NFL priests. It's great to have you back, brother. Hope you've been well. Yeah, and you know, I'll say again, without delving into hyperbole, if Denver plays that way in the regular season, they're going to win a lot of ball games. That's all I could say. I mean, you didn't have Vaughn out there. You didn't have Chubb, uh, Kareem, Simmons, Fuller, uh, Darby, Shelby. Alexander Johnson, Shelby. Was Draymond, Draymond out there? No. No Draymond. No Mike Purcell. I mean, guys – defensively and I all defensive line (laughs) it was Jake Browning I get it I know but still man all you can do is attack the competition that's on the field and the Broncos straight up smothered that offense Zach I mean it was not even remotely close no and that Pat Sertan pick I think showed that the Broncos were just playing at a much different level than Minnesota you can argue why that is but it was the case 
Here's Wombat from uh, other side of the world wow. in the future, in fact. Good morning. Hi, all from Perth, Western Australia. Under lockdown there. That's a topic for another uh, another <laughs> time, but hope you're doing well. Hope Air you're hanging home. tight through that, my friend. How bad is the injury to Mike Boone? Four to six weeks. Mike Boone has a quad injury. We were really looking forward and relishing the chance to see him in the orange and blue for the first time. And, of course, he got injured in Minnesota during one of the joint practices. So he's out four to six weeks. Zach, in the meantime, Pookie balling out. Royce balled out. Uh, Crockett looked pretty good, although yep. he wasn't nearly as efficient. He got more reps. He got more carries, uh, in fact, than both Pookie and Royce combined. But who Levante Bellamy didn't look so hot in his few opportunities. Uh, so unfortunately it sucks for Boone, but it's just more of an opportunity for, uh, for the other guys. Yeah. Boone was looking good, but that quad injury could have been a lot worse. He doesn't need surgery. He just has to rest it for about, like Chad said, four to six weeks and he'll be out there um, back again. Fortunately, the depth is so good when your other two running backs are Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, you throw in Freeman in there. I mean, they're fine. Uh, Selvin Tian, what's up, dude? He says, a New York City diehard Broncos fan, new to the chat, but not to the pod. Welcome. Thank you, Chad and Zach, for keeping me super plugged in during the pandemic. How about Drew F. and Locke, PS2, and Javante Williams? Yes, indeed, that trio of players, man, they truly shined. And it was really cool, Zach, what Drew Locke said after the game when he was asked about Javante and just kind of his remarks were, hey, you know, he's very calm, cool, and collected so much so that even though I'm a third year vet, his presence, his poise actually helps me have better poise and presence and calm. Uh, calmness was the word Drew Locke said. So, you know what? Very cool to see that rubbing off. Cause I think that helps that can only help center Drew Locke. I think Javante is everything Denver thought they were getting in Freeman. And, and so, so, so much more. The guy just ran punishing he he ran with such toughness and it always fell forward bullheaded running that's what Javante Williams did the thing about Sertan I gotta echo Christy in the comments she said he should be called PS4 because he's worth double that is such a good comment spot on I mean again when his rookie debut involves a pick six and a pass breakup and he was yanked after that good enough I mean how could you hate on that Boise man, what's going on, brother? Longtime superstar. Thank you for that super chat. He says, what's up, fellas? Teddy choosing to throw the one-yard check down route to a tight end instead of uh, T, uh, uh, Trinity Benson, 15 yards downfield, wide open, says everything I need to know about this competition. Lock, ride, or die this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, choosing to throw the one-yard check down to a tight end instead of uh, 15 yards down the f- that's what he is, though. And again, Chad talked about it earlier. He referenced what I said on KK earlier today. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. And everything that Teddy has shown in the NFL as a quarterback has been very unexciting, very, you know, unsexy kind of play. Three yards here, five yards here, death by a thousand paper cuts. Well, with Drew Locke, you can have death by one paper cut. And that's an 80 yard touchdown bomb. So again, He's now with this, I think there's been separation in this quarterback competition, despite what Fangio doesn't say. In order for Bridgewater to make up that gap, he's going to have to, in the next game, take those chances. If there's a guy 15 yards down the field, he's going to have to do something to show that he can hang with a quarterback that's just, it was night and day yesterday. 
First, I want to grab Agent KJ here on Super Chat. Appreciate that. A newer name. So welcome. Thank you. Connect with us on Twitter. He says, I remember some fans were groaning over Peyton bringing a couple guys from Minnesota, but they both look like underrated signings in my opinion. Well, so far, yes on Boone, although we didn't get to see it come out in the wash because of the injury. And Steven, who had a very Jag-like training camp up to this point, really popped when the lights were on. And it's like Eric said, as encouraging as that was, Zach, I want your thoughts on this for on Steven. You don't know how much of that was the revenge factor, right? right. Of going against his old right. team and, and relishing that opportunity. And, you know, that brings out maybe a artificial level of, of intensity that might not be there next week against the Seahawks. Maybe we'll see. It's something to be on guard about. But yes, Steven played well. And up until he got hurt, Mike Boone was balling. But Chad, why do we have to pick it apart? Why do we have to look for a reason why Steven played well? Couldn't he just play well? Couldn't he just had a good game? And I guess we'll know for sure. I mean, next week, that'll be the the the, uh, the telltale sign if he can be consistent. But there's a reason why Peyton signed him. There's a reason why every Broncos defensive lineman, Deshaun Williams yesterday, by the way, was balling. There's a reason why every Broncos DL thrives. That's Bill Collar. So, Steven, it could have been the revenge factor, certainly. It also could be Collar's tutelage and maybe Steven just being an underratedly good signing. Trevor uh, Pierce, we're going to get you in just one second, my friend. Hang tight. Uh, first, let's grab this question from Eric Ortegon. He says, I wonder if John Elway will get any credit. i tell you what, if Drew Locke truly does turn the corner, that's the last thing Elway needs to really punctuate his tenure in the Broncos front office. He could leave next year right off into the sunset uh, with a true sense of accomplishment because even though these past five years have been gnarly, he brought you five division titles, he brought you two conference titles, he brought you a world championship, and then in the wake of a, of a Hall of Famer hanging up his cleats at quarterback, Peyton Manning, he finally found a guy that you can roll with for the next 10 to 15 years. If that's how it shakes out, yes, he will deserve a lot of credit, specifically for Drew. But hey, I mean, look, you saw a few George Payton guys, a lot of them, in fact, from this rookie class and free agent class yesterday. But Zach, a lot of the guys balling out were guys exactly. procured through the John Elway, Matt exactly. Russell uh, front office regime. Exactly. Yeah, I, I talked about this on KK today, so be sure to check that out, guys, if you haven't already. You have to give Elway credit if we're crediting Peyton and we're crediting how good the Broncos, again, through one preseason game, the 2021 outfit looks. Um, Drew Locke, Elway draft pick. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, you know, Elway draft picks. Justin Sternod, Elway draft pick. These are all guys and the foundation that Elway laid in Denver, and you can knock him for his quarterback selections, you know, you can knock him for some of his moves and in free agency, you can knock him for some of his draft classes before 2018, but 2018 on, it was the foundational players. It was getting these, these rookies and first year players in the building and, and the quarterback, the receivers, the defensive players. And we're seeing it all come together. Now we're seeing the, the fruits of Elway's labor coalescing with what Peyton has built and the foresight he has and the plan he had in Denver. And when those things come together, Chad, we saw the results yesterday. It's beautiful. Uh, real quick here. Howie freaking day says, let's get these men to the star goal before the season opener. Let's go Broncos country. Appreciate that. Howie really do my friend. Um, we're getting there, man. We're almost 50%. By the way, John, real quick, John Martinez says, the announcers were freaking terrible, couldn't pronounce anyone's name. Um, you know what? I think, John, I'm not sure where you're at in the country, but it sounds like to me you got the Minnesota Vikings side of the broadcast yeah. because 
I watched a few clips and it, all the, all the um, highlights that you can find online, YouTube, wherever of the game, for whatever reason, they're the Minnesota side of the uh, coin. And you're right. They could not pronounce names. They were very lackluster. Brian Greasy and uh, Steve Levy, though, I thought were very, very good on the Broncos side of the broadcast for what it's worth. Zach Trevor Pierce says, Drew killed it, period. Drew has the tools. Drew has the upside. Why not just call this thing, give him all the first team reps, uh, a.k.a. ready to rock week one. It's a, it's a matter of the Broncos know Locke's pattern, too. They know he could go up and then come down and up. I mean, they know that. So on one hand, they want to see if he can sustain that level. On the other hand, it is politics, as Zach mentioned earlier, because Teddy's only been here a little while, but he's already carved out a little, uh, let's just say, following in the locker room. And you've been telling everybody it's 50-50 and it's going to go down to the wire and it's even Steven. And so now, in order to maintain credibility as an organization, as a coaching staff, you have to hold true to that and give Teddy an opportunity to regain the ground he lost Saturday night versus Drew. It's unfortunate that that comes at the expense of those 50% reps that Drew could really be using right now, but that's just the score. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when you enact a 50-50 competition, you have to see it 50-50 down the middle all the way through, and that's what Fangio is doing. So what Chad said, you know, kind of is how I feel. One thing about the announcing crew, the Vikings guys, the, the main guy was Paul Allen. If you guys remember, Chad, you might remember in 2003 or four that Cardinals game-winning touchdown uh, against the Vikings, and he lost his mind. He was like, no, I just – that always comes to mind when I hear him. Second of all, they were terrible. The, the most egregious mispronunciation of a name was Michael Ojemudia. I think they called him at one point Oe Media or something like that. It was pretty awful. I, they have pronunciation guys in front of them, Chad. They have people next to them telling them the names, and they still get it wrong. I mean, come on. Guys. Well, and just like us, I mean, as media, we get the game capsules ahead of time, and in that game capsule is a document that tells you some of the more tricky names, how to phonetically pronounce them. Yeah. So – if I, I'll tell you this, Zach, if I knew I was going to be on a microphone and I knew I was going to be on a television broadcast responsible for calling the game and knowing who's who and all that stuff, I'm going to drill into my head how to pronounce those names. And it's really disappointing when you don't see guys do that. Uh, Simon, north of the 49th parallel up in Canada, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being, baby. Simon says, what's up? MHH. I love that. Simon says, right? So happy to be watching football again. Excited for the young defensive talent. PS2, Stearns look good. Unfortunate that Baron Browning is missing reps to injury. If Locke repeats performance, he's earning the starting spot. I can't disagree with one word there, my friend. Well said. I can't either. It is unfortunate, Baron Browning. That's like, you know, my one of my favorite, if not my favorite players in the draft class. But again, I mentioned this on KK. Another big takeaway from the game, the Broncos' first stringers just aren't good. For once, unlike years past, they have depth at second string, third string. So if Baron Browning's out, Sternod stepping up, Josie Jewell's out, you know, you have players like Josh Watson, still have AJ in there. Um, you have a lot of young talent on this roster that's starting to come together and jive. Talk about longtime superstars up on Mount Rushmore. Here is Dennis Woods. Love you, buddy. How you doing in Michigan? Rocking the very same dad hat you see Zach Kelberman in his YouTube profile pic. Distinguished, right? Distinguished. Love it. 
He says, will any of our starters, including Miller, Chubb, Fant, play next week or in game three, or are they going to be rested uh, to prevent injuries? Certainly they'll give them pre some preseason reps. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Hashtag state of being. And yes, Dennis, you are one of our great exemplars of the hashtag state of being, my friend. You know what? I think in the case of Miller and Chubb, because they're guys coming off injuries and procedures, they will get some some preseason exposure at some point. But I'm not privy enough to know when that's going to be. In fact, I don't even think they know. So the Broncos will have to give them some exposure just to make sure they get a little taste of game speed um, in time for week one. Could it be next week? Possibly. We'll see, buddy. Well, I mean, Fangio was asked why he rested so many defensive players, and he pretty much leaned on, you know, getting the young guys some reps. Also because, though, they had two really intensive practices, joint practices against Minnesota, and maybe he didn't want to push it, which I think is smart for the first preseason game. They will play at some point. It's not going to be a lot, but I would venture to guess they'll play in the exhibition exhibition period. Brandon Harden again. Bama Broncos. Thank you, buddy. It's going to be very interesting when Teddy starts with the first string. It really will. And, you know, Seattle might not be as cautious as Minnesota was, and they might play a lot of their ones. And so, you know, it'll be, it really will be interesting to see. Can you, because again, it's not like Teddy didn't play well, Zach. He played well. He just played that version of Teddy that we all kind of know and expect. Take what the defense gives, dink and dunk. You know, he was efficient. And you like to see that. But, Zach, teams eventually, especially you get to regular season ball, man, defensive coordinators, they know how to take that away. All right, certain coverages, certain looks can smother those short zones that Teddy feels comfortable throwing to. And then what? Then what are you going to do? What if you're going against a defense that takes away your rushing attack, takes away those short zones, Teddy, what can you do? And that's the question, and I think that's been his biggest, aside from his knee injury, obviously, that really derailed the momentum of his promising young career, that's been the biggest detriment for Teddy is when defensive coordinators do get wise to those things, he doesn't really have an answer, Zach. And by the way, we're at one hour. we got to rapid-fire the remaining superstars and dip on out. You know, Teddy played a, 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 a solid game. I think that's the best word. It wasn't great. It obviously wasn't terrible. He was mistake-free. He let a touchdown drive. He looked competent. You know, in compared to years past, we would all kill for that for a Broncos quarterback. That would be a great performance. Unfortunately, though, for Teddy, his performance came during a game where he, the guy ahead of him, Drew Locke, threw an 80-yard touchdown, led two touchdown drives. So it's all relative how you look at the quarterbacks here. Teddy was good, but Locke was better. And I think the Broncos coaching staff knows that, and they definitely saw that. All right, we got another super chat here from Dale Rudd, another one of our great, great superstars. Love you, buddy, up in Montana. He says, did you guys notice Drew starting to use his eyes to move defenders more? On that 80-yard touchdown to Hamler, it looked like he started looking left and then swung deep. Yes, indeed. And he knew, he talked about after that game, Zach, that um, you know he and Hamler had a quick little powwow right before they broke the huddle. Hey, if we get this look, and I think we will, be ready because it's coming to you. And they got the look. So Drew took his time making sure that you held that safety long enough to allow Hamler to get over the top. Bada bing, bada bang. Was it perfect? No. There were a few moments in that game, and I don't say this to take any of the shine off of Drew, uh, his performance, but there were a couple of moments there where he was a little too obvious with where he was going with the ball in terms of his eyes. 
but progress, Dale, I definitely concur with you that there was some, some progress there. Yeah, again, obviously the play to Hamler was the highlight play, but again, there was a moment where Locke, you know, uh, uh, dropped back to pass. He was scanning the field. He went through in, multiple reads, not just one, and when nothing was there, unlike last year, he didn't force it in. He tucked it and ran it. Run it. He tucked it and ran it, excuse me, and lived to fight another down. So I think for sure we're seeing growth. We're seeing progress from Drew Locke, and that's all we can hope for, Chad, through one week of the preseason. Michaela, the Duchess again. Thank you, my friend. She says, I also wanted to shout out the coaching. The Broncos looked disciplined and did not have any stupid penalties. Agreed. Outside of Jerry Judy's holding penalty. um, And even that, I mean, he had – he probably just held on for a beat too long, but his arms were inside the dude's chest plate. Does that get called in the regular season? I don't know. Um, but that was really the only thing I could think of from that game as far as lapses in discipline and or concentration uh, to write home about. I, there were a few like false starts on offense. I mean, it, it's come, you come to expect it, though, with the first preseason game. It's going to be sloppy. But for the most part, the Broncos coaching staff was on point. They had the players ready to play and ready to not just play but dominate. So that's definitely encouraging as well. We got one here from Antonio Aragon. He says, and longtime Super Chat superstar, by the way. Love you, Antonio. What's up, guys? I'm behind whoever the starting QB is week one. Iron sharpens iron. And I think that's a great mindset. We're with you on that, bro. We are. are. Look, if uh, Drew Locke gets supplanted and Teddy ends up winning this thing, we're going to be right there with you rooting for Teddy to succeed because if Teddy succeeds, the Broncos succeed. So uh, Howie freaking day. Shermer, does he listen to the podcast? I saw more RPO, bootleg, play action, and shotgun for Drew Locke. OMG, it worked. Imagine that. Yes, indeed, Zach. You saw a lot more feel from the offensive coordinator in terms of like, I now know what works best with my quarterback, how to not exploit, but maximize his traits. Definitely encouraging. At least when Drew was on the field. I mean, I, I wish I could stand up if I wasn't hardwired in because I want to give Pat Shermer a standing ovation. He deserves that for one preseason game. Uh, you know, I mentioned him having a game plan attacking the Vikings weakness in practice. Jointly, K.J. Hamler was burning the Vikings defense. It wasn't even close. So what did Pat Shermer do? He attacked that. He went back to that in the game. He, he, he identified where Minnesota was lacking and attacked that secondary, and it worked to perfection. He got lock rolling out. He got the play action going. We had jet sweeps. We had running back screens. Where was this last year? And I, you know we were all right to criticize him for that last year. There's no excuse for it. We just have to hope this was a sign of things to come. I was not prepared for Shermer to throw out as many plays as he did. I thought he'd be vanilla. I thought he'd be 2005. He was definitely 2021, and I'm very encouraged. Keep it going, Pat. Hey, Zach, would you mind grabbing this super chat? And Absolutely. I'll, I'll be right there with you. Absolutely. Brandon hopping in again, $10 super. Thank you so much, Brandon. We appreciate and love you. He says the Broncos put up the highest score on any team this weekend, 33 points. I didn't know that. That's actually a pretty interesting side note. Doesn't mean a whole lot, guys. It is preseason. The games don't count for anything right now, but you you have to be encouraged, with the, what, especially what they did on offense. I mean, no one else really expected them to come out there locked to lead two touchdown drives and look as efficient and look as grown up as they did. It wasn't just this pop gun offense anymore. It wasn't just the Keystone cops out there. These, this was the SWAT team. 
this was the real deal, and it's just, again, night and day difference from 2020. Sean B. says, hey, Priest, and thank you for the super, Sean. Good to see you, buddy. In your opinion, is Trinity Benson a lock for yes. the roster now? I'm not quite there on a lock, Zach. He needs to do this at least one more time in a preseason. Not necessarily two touchdowns, but one more time. Because you've got some draft pedigree in Tyree Cleveland. But, I mean, look, I'm leaning towards saying yes. But one more. One more game like that from Trinity. He, he's been doing it all training camp. That's the thing that sold me on Trinity. And, it came, and he did it when the lights came on as well. I'm cutting Deontay Spencer, and I'm cutting Tyree Cleveland. I'm keeping Trinity Benson. I'm rewarding a guy coming out of nowhere and, and stepping up and impressing and being consistent. And we saw he had a, uh, a run back yesterday. Benson did impressively. It was called back on penalty. But if he can do that, why are you keeping Deontay Spencer around? He is purely a returner. Benson can do both. To me, he's earned it, and he should be on the final roster. Dale, what's up, buddy? His first super chat, he goes, and by the way, you are a Mount Rushmore superstar, brother. He says, my super chat can't hang with the Mount Rushmores, but showing some love. Crazy how some fans just can't be happy even in a blowout. It's sad. I was super happy with how the depth played. Yeah, and it's not even so much, Zach, and thank you, Dale. You know you're a superstar. You're a freaking Mount Rushmore cat all the way. It's not even so much, Zach, that um, they can't be happy. It's a matter of, like we tell you, and have been telling you when when it comes to locked arrangement syndrome, guys, gals, they get dug in on a position. They paint themselves into a corner, and instead of calling a spade a spade, falling on a sword and saying, look, it appears I might be wrong, and just enjoying the moment for what it's worth and celebrating the triumph of seeing a young guy your team drafted show progress on the field, they double down. It's pretty common in this field. Let him hate. That's all I'm going to say. Let him hate, baby. Yep. Trevor Pierce, thank you, buddy. He goes, pretty sure Trinity just took God's, Godspeed's job. Deontay? Um, I don't know if that's his like Twitter handle or something. I'm not sure. What do you guys think? Go Broncos. So good to make a live show. Trevor, thank you for that, buddy. It's good yeah. to have you. I'm not sure what your autocorrect there was trying to say. Whoop. Um, what happened? Where'd it go? Show chat. Thank you. Um, man, we can't miss him. We can't miss Vincent. No, <laughs> we lost Vincent. Dang it. All right. Let me see here. If Damn you, StreamYard. Let me, let, me, let me see if he's there. Hold on. If it can get it. I can't see what he said, but <clears throat> Vincent, uh, thank you for that very generous superstar. If you are super chat, if you can put that comment back in the chat now, not as a super, <clears throat> but put it in the chat. You gave us a $50 super chat, did Vincent? Wow. Uh, so thank if you. you can, if you can throw that in again, bro, um, it's been really hard juggling these limitations through YouTube. Uh, Brandon again, you the man, Bama Broncos. Broncos put up the highest score on any team this weekend, 33 points. I guess we did just get yeah. that one home. Um, hold up here. Let me see. Guys, If you, even if Vincent uh, is unable to recapitulate that, anyone who knows what he might have said there, please throw it in the chat. I hate leaving anyone superstar-wise out in the cold, especially when they're really, really showing out for the football priest. Zach, keep an eye for, out for that real quick. I'm going to, last thing here, uh, check – the last um, update on today's leaderboard on stars, and then we'll get on out of here for tonight. Yeah, I'm going to take this real quick from Patrick McCracken. Uh, he asked, there, you know, there was a story that came out before the game. According to Ben Albright, the Broncos got a call from the Ravens about the availability of Tim Patrick, and uh, we don't know the the specificities of that conversation, 
Um, I don't think Tim Patrick's getting moved. I mean, yeah, they are flush at receiver, but in case anything happens with Cortland Sutton, you know, in case anything happens with Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, God forbid, this is a starting caliber receiver. He's under contract for peanuts right now. His value isn't too high. I wouldn't trade him right now considering he's been kind of dinged up and he's taken a backseat to the other receivers. If he has a solid year by midseason and the Broncos just don't have utility for him, maybe they'll explore it then, but I don't think he's getting moved in the near future. Agreed. Um, all right, real quick here, shout out to these great superstar senders on Facebook. Love you guys. Howie freaking day finishes the day. Uh, number one, appreciate you. Matthew Beatty right there at number two. Andrew Lampy number two, tied. Claude Riley, Randy Jones, Zeus McPeak, Michael, Andrew Baker, James Grossman, Gary Leeds Palmer, Zebulon, Charlie Young, Lewis Condon, Andrew Morrow. Thanks to each and every one of you. We are getting much, much closer. We're going to hit that 500K goal, I think, Zach, before yeah. uh, the season opener. Two more. Uh, Malachi, thank you for that, my friend. Connect with us on Twitter. He says, Muti, uh, Natani Muti, Quinn Miners, the whole O-line looked great. Look, I kind of, <clears throat> on first glance, yeah, because the Broncos were pretty productive where it counts. But, um, you know, if you really break down the film, and I, us- I usually uh, kind of, give way to trickle on stuff like this when he's breaking down the film and whatnot. He didn't like Miners and Muti. I forgot to mention Miners was one of the guys he thought was uh, so-so against the Vikings, but I haven't had a chance to go back and really break down every single snap myself. I'll just say this. For both those young guys, Zach, they need the reps, and so the reps are good. I'm sure both of them had their wins. I'm sure both of them had the reps that they came out on top. So let's just see them continue to develop. Exactly. Yeah. That's the most important thing, them getting snaps. Um, Muti, he did jump out to me. Again, still in run blocking. You can pick apart his pass blocking. Still needs work there, but the guy is just so freaking strong. He moves men on the field. I can't wait to watch him more as the preseason unfolds. All right. I'm not seeing Vincent in the bottom here. So Vincent, going once, going twice, bro. If you can get that back in or anyone, if you saw what Vincent said there, I'm so pissed that YouTube jumped it. Uh, Savage Boy Kev on Twitch. Shout out to our Twitch community. Love you guys. He says, Chad and Zach, did you guys notice the score? We put up 33 points in two and a, two and a quarter quarters, something that the Broncos struggled with last year. If Drew would have kept playing, we'd probably score 50. Let him hate. Indeed. Yep. Very impressive, man. I mean, it was palpable. It was impressive. And we just got to see it happen again, man. It can't be a flash in the pan. And, my, you know, the, one of the touchdowns was on defense as well. So the, the whole team was contributing to that score, and that's what's so impressive. If everyone stays healthy and plays up to potential, again, I'll repeat it for the billionth time, this is going to be a fun, fun season. All right, I really am. Um... Oh, Trevor, Trevor did specify here that he meant Deontay Spencer. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Trevor, a billion percent. It, it should be Trinity on the final roster, make him the punt returner receiver and say goodbye to Deontay Spencer. He's good. He's a good returner. He's not Dante Hall. He's not Devin Hester. All right, guys. Again, Vincent, love you, buddy. When you finally hear this message, make sure you put your that comment, not another super. You don't need to do that. Put it again in the chat tomorrow night because we'll be back 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern on time. Don't worry. Today was an outlier because I was dealing with this air conditioning BS, uh, trying to tweak it so I'm not sitting here dripping sweat the whole time I'm talking to y'all. But, hey, thanks to each and every one of you for being with us this evening. 
YouTube, Facebook, those of you there watching the show, please like the video before you dip out. Small, small thing you can do that helps us out in a big, bad way. Other than that, Zach, my high salute to all the Super Chat superstars, the superstar senders, and our supporters on Facebook. Fun conversation, man. The time flew by. We're at an hour and a quarter, but we got to go. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Man, I could have kept going another hour considering how good that game was and how good the Broncos offense performed. But we'll be back in the saddle tomorrow, guys, to break more of it down, let our hair down even further, and get you guys ready for the second preseason game. In the meantime, until we're back, be sure to follow the Huddle Up Pod on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, rumors, film breakdowns, and so much more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see, at Chad and Jensen. You can follow me at Kelberman NFL. Be sure, guys, if you haven't already, go to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a hat, get yourself a coffee mug, get yourself a t-shirt. More items coming soon. I promise you guys, um, we appreciate your patronage. Go to facebook.com slash huddle. Become a supporter. Big blue button. We have three exclusive shows. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone. More on the way. We appreciate each and every one of you. Five bucks a month. It's worth every penny. I promise you have my word on that. If you haven't already as well, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod. Like that page and follow that page. But if you can't do any of those things, we still love you. We still appreciate and respect you. We ask these three things, though, that take five seconds, guys, and help us grow more than anything else you can do and reach more Broncos fans that subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. We are off until tomorrow night, though, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care, guys, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.